You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. Good morning. Welcome back to Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I'm your host, Carol Morgan, and I'd like to recognize our show sponsor, Denim Marketing. This year, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary. At Denim Marketing, we work to make your marketing a comfortable fit. So give us a call if you need quality original content for social media, public relations, marketing campaigns, email marketing, or blogging. So in addition to hosting this show, I'm also president and founder of Denim Marketing, and today I'm joined by Courtney Stewart, who is our vice president of client services, and today is a little bit of a special day. We are going to do a special 25th anniversary edition, so you refresh your coffee and or your tea, if you're like me, and sit back and enjoy, and we're going to kind of flip the script today. Courtney's going to get to interview me, so um, this should be a fun show, and we'd love to have questions in the comments or comments in the comments. So make sure um, on atlantarealestateforum.com, you let us know what you think. I'm excited to interview you. And like I said, <laughs> the script, it's going to be a little bit different. All right. So let's just start with the basics. Can you kind of share the story behind the inception of denim marketing and what inspired you to start on this journey? So it's kind of interesting. I always knew I wanted to own a company. I knew that growing up all the way through middle school, you know, high school, college, I guess I always thought it would be something creative. And in my mind, that was like a floral shop, or I guess I really didn't know what it was. And then in college, I discovered public relations and really just fell in love with PR. Um, so after working for 10 years for other people, um, I had a baby who was a very, very fussy baby. In fact, he's a limited edition. <laughs> and, um, and you know, just decided I didn't want to put him in full-time daycare and that uh, he was fussy enough that he needed mommy to stay home with him. So I started a company and went on out on my own initially just as a freelancer. And I guess now you can see 25 years later, we've grown into much more than just me. And probably the best thing I ever did. So I always thank my son because he really was my inspiration for going out on my own, however scary it was. That's good. So that was back in 1999, 25 years ago. So thinking back to those early years, compared to now, how has denim marketing evolved over those past 25 years um, in terms of services, clientele, even your approach to marketing and PR? Wow. Okay. I'm going to start with approach because I don't think that has changed at all. You know, what I have and we have always you know, prided ourselves on is a personalized approach to every single client. So, you know, customizing a solution that fits that client and then really priding ourselves on responsiveness, you know, staying on top of the client for what we need from them because obviously we can't do our work in a vacuum um, and just really being, you know, comfortable fit like our brand says. So, you know, working hand in hand with them being extension of, you know, their in-house team to help them with the results that they need. So I think that has probably in some ways changed the least. Um, services probably have changed the most because if you roll back to 1999, and of course I was, you know, 13 at the time, right? Um <laughs> There really wasn't much of an internet, right? You know, anyone who was using the internet for anything in 1999 was incredibly groundbreaking. In fact, I like to sit around and um, kind of chuckle over it. You know, in 1999, we were still mailing press releases. We probably mailed press releases to 
maybe 2005, because people just didn't have email. And by people, I mean real estate reporters, because, you know, there wasn't any social media, so we weren't doing social media. It hadn't even been, you know, just you know, coined, discussed anything in 1999. So services have changed absolutely the most, you know, growing from a PR-only shop into content marketing into the digital side has changed the most. Clients, probably are about the same. I guess I was kind of lucky when I went out on my own. Um, I had a couple of real estate clients that, um, you know, came on board immediately. And then they kept referring their friends and our real estate side of the company grew really quite quickly. So most of our clients, you know, still are and always have been, you know, large regional or large local home builders. And then we also work for some custom builders, remodelers, more and more land developers, people in the build the rent space. Um, so that's that's pretty pretty much the same. Okay, yeah, it's crazy to think you started right before like Y two K, and people were kind of scared of the internet and computers in, and what was going to happen. And now here we are, and that's what we use all day, every day. So, but again, mm-hmm. thinking back to those early days, those early years, how what were some of the biggest challenges you faced starting a company, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess personally, my biggest challenge was I was juggling a company with a baby. So, you know, juggling with an infant who was never in daycare. He was in Mother's Morning Out and I had, you know, part-time nannies and grandmas that helped out. Um, And then, you know, juggling is something I do well. So, you know, today I still juggle. I just juggle a 20-acre farm with business. But, you know... I think there's just always challenges, you know, the challenges and, you know, making sure things get out on time and, you know, challenges and communicating things properly. You know, learning how to run a business is a challenge. You know, when I first started out, I didn't know anything about owning my own business other than it was a really great idea and I was good at what I did. So it was, you know, challenging from day to day to figure out, okay, well, what form does the government want next? You know, the things you don't think of that happen behind the scenes that actually do take quite a bit of time. And she says that about the government form as well. I'm looking at a tax form. Ah, she did on me. <laughs> it's true. It's part of running a business. It's not just the PR part. So, uh, or yeah. you know, just engaging with clients. There's a lot more to it. Yeah. Um, so think about if you were to take the history of denim marketing and put it in a timeline, what would be some of the milestones or turning points or kind of big changes or things that you would call out in yeah. dinner history? And boy, I wish I'd written all this stuff down. I haven't been great about it. But obviously, starting in 1999, um, as as denim grew, you know, I added freelancers. And then I guess it was about 2002 or maybe 2003, I realized, oh, golly, these people really aren't freelancing anymore. They're employees and kind of fessing up and realizing that we were an agency. That was probably 0203. And then just as different things came online, you know, in 2006, we started what I would now call content marketing. We were hosting and pitching stories to other online sites. There were a lot of people blogging already um, and then posting to sites like Press Release Point and, you know, PR Free and all those sites you could put press releases on. Because, you know, back in that time, we were still a PR agency, you know, writing press releases and sending them out to the media. So looking for places that would run them. And, and that was really cool because there were a lot of real estate agents who had started city-specific blogs. Um, one that comes to mind that's still out there is smyrnavinings.com. That's Aaron Hoffman's site. 
So we would send him press releases on communities in the area, and he would, you know, rewrite them to fit his style and his audience and post them. So so that was a big change. That was probably 06. And we started blogging um, for clients in 2006 as well. And in 2006, I launched AtlantaRealEstateForum.com. So it's um, a little bit of an old site now, too. And then, oh, golly, I'm just trying to think, Courtney, um, you know, kind of what happened next. I'd say next along came social media, right? So mm-hmm. 07, uh, we started using Facebook and evaluating it for how could it best help our clients. You know, how could we use Facebook to send clients more traffic or to improve their SEO? And that's how we evaluated pretty much every site that came online and ended up in the social media space. Um, you know, early on, a lot of people would ask, you know, how did you how did you learn all this? And, you know, the reality is we were just open for change and looking for new ways to differentiate, you know, our clients from their competitors. So we just, you know, jumped in and started learning the sites and figuring out what we could do with them. I think it was oh. Eight might have been 07 that I spoke for the first time at the International Builders Show. And that um, talk was on social media. And uh, I know Dina Gunderson spoke with me um, on that panel. I think it was Dina Gunderson, Tammy Smoot, Kelly Fink, and myself. And we did the first, yeah, it was really cool. We did the first, you know, social media panel ever at IBS. Um, And from there, I would just say social has really, really taken off, obviously. Um, So in terms of, you know, changes between 2008 and now, you know, the biggest one's just still technology. I mean, we're recording this on on Zoom, right? 2008, I don't think any of this existed. Mm -hmm. So... So just, you know, I guess the biggest kind of trend and, you know, has, has been... Change happens, especially on the technology side, embracing it, figuring out how to use it, and then moving forward. And it seems like that changes are happening faster and faster the further down the line you kind of go as you look at our history. So so tell me about the changes you've seen in the marketing industry in general. You kind of just touched (laughs) on some of those. They kind of all correlate, especially the social media, you know, from 1999 to now. Yeah, I would say we've gone from analog to digital very quickly, really, if you look at it in time frame. Um, I know one day recently in the office, we were all sitting around and laughing. You know, my very first job out of college, um, again, there was no email. We would, I would sit there in front of a fax machine all day and fax press releases until I got a really cool fax blast service. And then I could blast them out, you know, all at once. And, you know, and, and we were still snail mailing stuff. So you just look at how quickly it has changed and how much more we can do, how much faster we can move. I don't know that that's always a good thing because sometimes I think we move so fast we make mistakes, but just it's changed enormously. And then you look at today and we've got AI and virtual everything and it's just continuing to, you know, roll forward and technology is going to continue to adapt and change and make us move faster, smarter, quicker. So finding ways to embrace it and figuring out how to make that work for clients is going to be something that you and I are going to get to continue to do. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to change. I mean, you've definitely seen technology play a big role um, in how, and even in the evolution of your marketing strategies. I mean, literally the very core of what we do has changed so much because of how technology has changed. And I know you've talked to us about it before in the office about how your dad's influence had a lot to do with that. You know, and it's interesting. He sat, he was an attorney by trade 
but he would sit in the basement of our home at night and literally flip switches on computers to bring them up. You know, the old basic computer language and Fortran and Cobalt. He played in all of those and he embraced technology. I think he was the first law firm in Knoxville to use technology and to use email and to, you know, have digital um, you know, billing and all of those things. Um, so I guess it's because of his willingness to embrace it. It's never really scared me. It's just always been like, oh, look, that's new. How can we use that? How can we get that to do what we want it to do? And it's just cool. It's fun to see it change. And, you know, I I like, you know, even, you know, you bring things to the table. Like recently, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm looking into this and that on um, Instagram and figuring out ways we can use these to help our clients. And I think that's what it's all about is just looking at these new tools and evaluating them the best we can and figuring out how we can use those to be you know, more competitive or to help our clients to be more competitive, really, in the space that's moving so fast. Yeah, that's a good point. And it is everything is moving so fast. And there's so many new things. It's like evaluating, trying to find the ones that work, but you can't evaluate every single new thing that comes on board because there are so many different it's options. Too many. So- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And not all of them are here to stay. So how do you know, you know, we have that discussion related to social sites, new ones launch from time to time, but they may not, you know, are they worth investing your time and are they going to stick around? Do we wait it out and see? So knowing kind of which ones to focus on and how they're going to yeah. benefit our clients, especially is really keen. I think that's a skill that you have. You're able to kind of think strategically from all of your experience and see what kind of has staying power makes sense or what doesn't. Right. So that's a unique um, advantage I think that you offer. But let's talk about you a little more. So how would you describe your leadership style and how do you think that leadership style has contributed to denim success? Wow, that's probably a question I should flip and ask you and maybe I will (laughs) at the end. You know, I think the biggest thing I've done is tried to hire people you know, who are, you know, willing to learn and kind of think the same way I do about client services and and really to empower them and train them and give them the support they need to succeed. You know, I guess by the same token, I'm not really a micromanager and neither are you. So if Mm -hmm. somebody needs that, they might not succeed at Denim just because we want to train them, answer their questions, you know, help them, help them be the best person that they can be um, and empower them to take care of clients and to learn what they need to learn. You know, I try to I try to help everybody be the best they can be. And and sometimes that means if, you know, denim's not a fit for them, helping them to find the next thing. Or if they decide to leave us, you're trying to encourage them, you know, hey, you know, don't don't feel like you can't call me, that you, you know, you always can call and ask, you know, if you find yourself looking for that next job but have questions. So so I've tried to be that, I guess, friend and mentor um, and empower people to be the best that they can be. Um not always easy, as you know, but um, that's that's what I try to do. So hopefully I succeed. Yeah, it's definitely a balance between those roles, uh, boss, mentor, friend. There's a lot of different tiers to it and trying to balance all those relationships. But I do think you do a good job and you're right that we don't, you know, we don't want order takers. We want people who are go-getters, who are going to, you know, take initiative and, um, you know, be able to manage accounts and manage clients and do all of those things. And I think your leadership style reflects that. And that's, you know, that's what we need as a company to be successful. And and you do a good job of, of helping empower people to know that they are smart enough, capable enough, you know, able to be that type of manager and go-getter. So I agree with what you said. Uh, So where do you see dental marketing in the next five, 10 plus years? 
Golly, that's a hard question. Um, obviously, continued focus on home builders, land developers, build to rent, um, you know, all the different, you know, kind of different types of clients that we focus on within the home building space. I think it's going to be interesting to see where marketing and where denim go as a whole, because it's, you know, continuing to embrace change, figuring out how to use tools such as AI, you know, in marketing and PR and everything we do, um, you know, figuring out how to continue to find quality employees who can write <laughs> and who can write a grammatically correct sentence. So a lot of that is going to, I think, influence where we go in five to 10 years. You know, my goal is, you know, quality. Um, so we'll continue to be, you know, quality over quantity as it relates to um, clients. So, you know, I'd like to grow a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to grow a ton in terms of, um, of clients or staff, but, you know, I think it's a continued focus on being a market leader and being seen as a market leader as far as our vision, our thought leadership in the real estate space. Um, cause I will say that's one thing I'm probably most proud of. And you're a huge part of that as well is the fact that Denim's really, you know, we're a four or five, sometimes six person shop, but nationally we're seeing much, much larger because of our marketing and because of the footprint we've put out there. Um, the fact that we've both spoken at the International Builders Show for, you know, a number of years. Um, you know, I've written several books. I teach. We do all these webinars. I think people think that we're a lot bigger than we are. And that's something that I'm very proud of from the thought leadership side. Um, but as it relates to growth and the agency, I'm pretty happy where we are. So, you know, continued growth, um, you know, Love to grow five, six, 10% a year and just continue forward. Yep. Small but mighty. That's what we are. <laughs> Absolutely. So I liked all of those answers. I think they were good and they were very big picture because I know when you think back five or 10 years in the past, I don't think if somebody had asked me that question five to 10 years ago, you know, using AI for so much wouldn't have been something I'd answered or, you know, I don't even know how, how focus we are on video as a means of social media. There's so many things that I don't know that we would have necessarily seen coming. So it's right. so hard to get granular with predictions for the future with how fast everything changes like we've talked about. But that being said, I'm going to ask you anyway, <laughs> are there new directions or services you're planning to explore in the future? Yeah, I think it's probably continuing to explore what we're already exploring. So AI will continue to explore that, both from using it on the content side as well as what other, you know, opportunities it's going to bring to the market, because it's absolutely going to. It's just huge in terms of what it's doing to compile and consolidate information. I think new social sites, that's something you and I look at a lot. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, trying to figure out what's going to stick and what's not, because most of them are not going to, is the reality, especially just, you know... In the last year, you know, we've looked at threads and we're like, ah, threads isn't going to work. You know, it's just it's just not it. It's just another me, too. But then when you sit back and look again at threads as we're, you know, kind of cruising through early 2024 now, it's almost that it's too big to fail because it's owned by Meta. So I'm still really watching that one. Um you know, figuring out how on earth to get TikTok to work for home builders. I think we're going to all have to figure that one out and finding a way to streamline that, but make it engaging enough that that younger audience will follow it and follow our home builders on TikTok. And then just ways to streamline. That's, you know, something I'm always looking at. Um, 
just, you know, in terms of, you know, you and I just recently evaluated some new social media software. So finding ways to make things more efficient, both for us and for our clients. So I'm real excited that hopefully as of July 1, we'll have new social media software that will be much easier and faster for us and for our clients. And, you know, that will allow us to have, you know, a little bit of extra time to think about other things for them other than all that scheduling we've been having to do. So that's what I'm going to continue to look forward to as far as services and direction is just ways that we can streamline, ways we can save times, you know, and be more effective. Um, and as always, new sites, new places, new ways to, you know, contribute to that return on investment for clients and help them get more leads, you know, more engagement. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And the streamlining is especially important. Again, going back to that small but mighty, to stay small but mighty, we've got to find ways to be more efficient at what we do. And that's really a key key component of that. So I think that's interesting. And then I know TikTok is something we get asked about all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. And I wish we had a better answer. It's something that's so hard to do without on being on site, you know, or on staff all the time or have yeah. it's it's so personal and people based. But I'm really interested to watch as that generation ages. Do they stick with TikTok? Do their preferences for social change or are they going to be, you know, tried and true TikTokers for life? Is it going to stick around? I think it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting social experiment to watch and see how that goes because as such a youthful channel right. for something. It's a great point. And same is true. You know, right now, I think that same generation is more likely to communicate through TikTok or Snapchat. You know, are they going to become more text and email savvy? Because in the business world, I just don't see email ever going away. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm old school, but I just don't see it happening. So that that's going to be fun to watch. It's always interesting to see how generations, you know, learn to communicate in the business world. Yeah, it is interesting because I know in multiple avenues in my life, for we've you know implemented things like WhatsApp or um, what's the other one that we just I can't even remember. There's another one of like the group texting Slack um, Teams, not Slack Group Me. Oh yeah, which group I me. a lot of people used in college. I never used that in college, but you know we use that for professional women in building. That's how we all stay in touch for quicker communication. So I can't imagine email ever going away or not being our primary forms of communication. But there's a lot of people who much prefer those, you know, in, even more instant forms of communication. It's text, but a little more organized, yeah. a little more streamlined. So it'll be interesting to see because yeah, Slack, Teams, those are all kind of What's similar app. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgotten. Mm -hmm. I recently had um, an SEO company who would contacted me about some placements on Atlanta Real Estate Forum, and um, they wanted to know that if it, you know, what's your WhatsApp number? When we're ready, we'll WhatsApp you. And I literally responded to them, you know. I don't use WhatsApp for business, so please just email me when you're ready. But I thought that was interesting because it absolutely shows that what you're, you know, what you're saying is is spot on. It's where it's all headed. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, but you do have to be careful with the fatigue when you have too many different places, too many different channels, you know, too many, too many streams of information coming at you at once. It's it's a lot. So it will be interesting to see how some of it translates to business. Um, I hope we stay for email for my my business <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> I'd prefer me too. Uh, prefer to just stay there. Crafting the perfect marketing strategy is like constructing the perfect pair of jeans. You need all the right components and expertise. Unlike trying on a dressing room full of jeans, denim marketing makes the process painless and easy. Denim marketing is the market leader in creating quality original content for home builders, developers, remodelers, and others in the industry. Call 770 383 
888-888-3360 or email carol at denimmarketing.com to find out how Denim Marketing can be a comfortable fit for your social media, public relations, marketing campaigns, email marketing, blogs, and other marketing needs. All right, well, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about some of the lessons you can teach to other people who may be interested in starting their own business or recently have or recently in, you know, kind of a management or leadership role. Um, Starting with what are some of the most valuable lessons you think you've learned in your time running a marketing company? I'd say there's probably two or three. The first is always be curious. Always ask questions. Don't ever think you know it all because there is no way you'll know it all. The other thing that we always have laughed about in my family is that every now and then you'd say something to you know our father and say, oh, well, I didn't know that. His response was, there's a lot of things you don't know, young lady. And he said that for years and years and years, we, the three of us all quote it to each other. So it could be young man if it was to my brother. But you know, always being inquisitive, always knowing that you don't know it all and that you need to ask the right questions. Um so the second thing is build a team, you know, not just your internal team, but a trusted team of advisors. And that doesn't necessarily mean you, you know, have a whole team of mentors, but it is good to have a mentor or two, you know, maybe somebody who is doing something similar that started a few years before you who can answer some of your questions, but also building the right team of accountants and lawyers. And, you know, and vendors, you know, having the right payroll service, having the right company to help with insurance. Um, You know, that's something that I have done a lot of in 25 years. And I'll tell you, two of my most trusted advisors throughout the whole process have been my accountant and my attorney. So my accountant was phenomenal. The one I started out with actually was also an Oglethorpe University graduate. And he was always challenging me for what's next. And over time, it got to be, you know, he would call me and and say, well, the good news is you had a great year last year. The bad news is you owe the government more money. So I'd be like, oh, well, that's nice. Well, but how do I save some more of that money? So again, being inquisitive. How do I save more? How do I give more to my team? How do I find a way to retire? You know, looking at those buckets of savings, I just would ask over and over again, what else I can do? What else I can do? And then the same for attorneys, you know, asking you know those attorneys and those financial planners in your life who aren't necessarily your accountant, what else can I do? You know, really thinking about the long run and, you know, what retirement is going to look like. Because um, that's important. Too. And then I think the third big lesson that I've learned is to really trust my gut. You know, obviously, if research is involved, research. But so many times when you're um, having a conversation with somebody or reading something that they've sent you, you'll read it along and you'll be like, ooh, I need to do whatever it is. That reaction is almost never wrong. Um, and especially, you know, just in reading content for clients, you know, you know, I'll get to something and like have a question mark. Anytime I've paused and kept going on that question mark and not rewritten it or not asked the question, it's always been wrong. So trusting your gut for what's right and what's wrong in content and in business is really important. I would say trust, but verify on everything. Um, another, that's another phrase from my father. So I guess you can tell who's been very influential. Um, and my father was my first attorney which is really nice. It's nice to have a daddy who worked for big companies like Goodyear and Alcoa um, and a very large law firm. So he was really great at helping me with contracts. And I loved him because he was a deal maker, not a deal breaker. So I'd also say that about attorneys. You want a deal maker, not a deal breaker when you're looking at your contracts. Um, If you have somebody who hasn't paid you, you might want a different kind of attorney. But, um, you know, again, build your team. So build your team, you know, trust your gut, 
and be curious. Those are my three three life lessons for anyone getting ready to start out on their own. No, those are great. And I think those are good in all aspects of life, not even necessarily in business. Your team may look different. If you don't own a business, you may not need an accountant in your personal life, but there you still need a team of you know people around you, the right people. So yeah. I think those are great lessons for anybody listening to this, whether they own their own business or not. And then if someone wanted to start their own marketing firm today, what advice would you give them? Wow, I probably have very different advice today than I would when I started one because I started a marketing firm only having a years of, you know, one year experience working for a marketing firm. Um, I think it was a little bit different back in the day than it would be today. Um, but I would say, you know, understanding as much as you can about the way an agency works is going to be critical. So having worked for an agency and not just being really good at your job, it's one thing to be really good at your job and being able to take care of the clients and take that, you know, kind of forward-facing position with the company, but it's a whole different thing to run the back end of a company. And again, depending on how big or small you're starting out will depend on whether you can hire people to help with that or not. Um, but the, you know, the running the back end of the company is probably way more technical today than it was 25 years ago. And it's something that I have learned to do. But, you know, if I were to just, you know, say, hey, Courtney, take over the company tomorrow. She'd be like, well, what do I do with all of this? Because it's it's a lot. And I do handle most of that. I like that part of it. I like, you know, kind of negotiating, um, you know, the 401k stuff. I don't like negotiating insurance, but I'll do it. But, you know, it's business insurance. It's health insurance. It's, you know, liability insurance. All of those things are important. So understanding that part of the business, even if you're not going to run it yourself, is going to be critically important if you're going to start a marketing company. You know, under understanding what kind of insurance you need to have, because pretty much all of our companies require us to send them an Accord Certificate of Insurance. And again, that's not something if you've been more of the practitioner and working with the clients, you wouldn't necessarily know that that's a side of the business that you're going to have to know. So just learn as much as you can. Be inquisitive. You know, I've always been jealous of people who have MBAs. Maybe get your MBA before you go out on your own. But um, just, you know, put in the work and uh, do the research before you do it. Yeah, there's certainly a whole lot more to it other than just what you might think of as the glamorous side of, you know, being yeah. the boss, setting your own schedule or whatever the case may be. There's there's a lot more to it than yeah. that. And I've watched you do <laughs> pieces of it, but there's I know there's still so much. I have no idea, even after almost 11 years, like this insurance you were just talking about. I don't know that that's something I've ever known anything yeah. about. So. You know, there's a lot there. Fun, fun stuff. It's all the fun yeah, stuff. Exactly. Really sexy. So. Uh-huh. And I know, and I think one thing you mention a lot is it's surprising how much of your time that it actually takes up, how much time you have to do the running the business side, separate from the client facing side, the actual, right. you know, client work, all of those things. There's a lot more to it that you probably may, you know, don't realize from the outside looking in. Right. Absolutely. All right. So outside of work, tell us a little about you as a person. What's your passions or your interests that influence you and kind of roll? I know you, some of them roll over into your professional life oh, every day. Absolutely. So I think anyone who knows me well probably knows I am an animal lover to the core. You know, it probably wouldn't surprise anyone that growing up, I wanted to be a vet. Um, my current horse vet, who's one of my best friends, laughs at me because she's like, well, you've got the best of all worlds. You've got really polite animals that you get to work on. Um, you know, and help me work on. And uh, you don't have to deal with, you know, 
any of the owners who don't want to do what the animal needs or the animal who's uncooperative. So, um, so I get to do a lot of that, but I'm passionate about animals. So on my 20 acre farm, I have what, what lives here now? Three horses, a mini donkey that are mine. Um, two horses that I board that are not mine, obviously. I have two dogs, six cats, a bird who really ought to be Instagram famous because he does the iPhone ring and the iPhone dong. And he says, run, forest, run. And he sounds just like a cat. And he makes every squeaking noise in the house. He makes the ice machine dropping the ice noise. We recently learned that the noise he makes that we couldn't identify is a cat food can opening. So that's Chirp. He should be, you know, very famous. Um, and then let's see, in addition to Chirp, we have Torque the Turtle. So there's a red-eared slider who lives here. Um, and of course, probably the most famous resident is Donkey, just because he gets a lot of play and he's even made an appearance on Zoom. So um, so all things animal. So I spend a lot of time with animals. Um, I ride and compete uh, dressage, which is where the horses look like they're dancing. And then in addition to that, you know, I really like to garden when I have time. I like to cook. Shh, don't tell anybody, but I do. I like to cook. Um, I don't I don't do it as often as I like, but I do try to cook, you know, once a week, probably. That was actually one of the fun things back during the pandemic. We did a lot of cookings. We were stuck at home and that was a lot of fun. But um, I do like to cook. I like to read. I don't do it very much because I'm one of those people who if I pick up a book and get into it, I will not put it down until I'm finished with it. And that is detrimental to my sleep and work. That's pretty much it. That's good. Yeah, I'm a... I'm an avid reader too and call have those same problems. But for those of you who don't know what dressage is, if everybody remembers the clip of Snoop Dogg during uh-huh. the Olympics talking about the horse crip walking, that is what Carol does. Every time my father loves that clip and every time he says anything about it, it comes up again. I say, Yeah, that's what Carol does. We He's need like, to find that again. I love that. That was hilarious. It's I love Snoop. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, he's great. So that is that is the type of horseback riding that Carol does. If you yeah. are not familiar with dressage, that's what I love to tell people. <laughs> um <laughs> So I probably know the answer to this. I think anybody that's listened to this whole interview so far can guess, but has there been a book, a person, or an event that has significantly influenced your professional philosophy? I would have to say my father, um, ab- you know, absolutely overall, you know, it's it just so much. And it, it's interesting. You don't realize it until you reflect upon it. And, you know, one of my sayings has always been, what would daddy do? You know, some of you all may not know my father died in 2016 doing something he dearly loved. Um Probably not a bad way to go. He um, died while hiking on the Appalachian Trail, which was, um, or a portion of it. He was in the Smokies. Horrible for his girlfriend who was with him. But you know, he would have he would have been happy. He 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 rotated between teasing us and telling us that he was going to spend all of his money so that none of us got it, and that he wanted to live to be old enough to be a burden on all of us. And then joking and saying, you know, you know, it's, that was his joke. But he'd also say, you know, I don't ever want to be a burden for my kids. But um, phenomenal man, probably really. Uh, insightful about all things technology, very worldly. Um, probably my biggest mentor for my business. Uh, other than that, there have been you know several others. I'd have to name um, Pam Heisler, who is my um, mentor and internship supervisor, helped me first discover my love of PR. So that rolls way back to a governor's internship program. I will not name the year, but it does predate 1999, obviously. Um, she was very um, insightful. I worked for a brilliant woman at Zoo Atlanta, one of the best marketers I've ever seen in my life, who really taught me how to have fun with marketing. She you know, coined a, you belong in the zoo, that you still see on the bumper stickers around Atlanta. We have 
a lot of fun there. Um, so there have been lots of people, you know, other than just my father who've helped support me along the way. And again, my very first accountant was phenomenal. And my current accountant is phenomenal. I cannot stress the importance. If you're going to go out into business and do anything, have a great accountant, not just a good one, a great one, because um, you'll need them. They will help you more than you know. Yeah, absolutely. Money and numbers, you know, if we're on this side of the business, those probably aren't our strong suits, if we're being right. honest, if you're a marketer, <laughs> if you're a creative person. So having those people in your corner is crucial. Uh, okay, so we're here because it's Dental Marketing's 25th anniversary. So tell us, how are you celebrating? Well, I have a super creative team. And actually, I think the first idea I'm going to share was your idea. But I have to tell you, I have the best team ever. We started brainstorming what we wanted to do for the 25th anniversary. And they came up with things that I would have never, ever in 100 million years thought about. So we have had a lot of fun. I think anyone who follows Denim knows that it's a really fun brand. And we try to always elevate the brand and have a lot of fun and creativity with it. So the first thing that's already out there is a Spotify list of our favorite songs that have to do with blue jeans. We did try very hard to keep it PG-13. So if there's a song that's not in there that you think that we know, but it's not in there, probably it's because of the lyrics. So check out our Spotify. Um, it's through Courtney's account, but you can find it on all of our social media. Um, and it's our denim playlist for this year. So it's a lot of fun. It's very eclectic. We're brainstorming some fun gifts, so I'm sure we're going to have some sort of fun tchotchke that we're going to give out this year. And we've got a phenomenal social media campaign that's going to come out probably, if I have to guess, in March is what we're shooting for. It's going to feature some day in the life of and some fun photography, and uh, it's going to be really neat. So I've got to give uh, Melissa for the credit on that one, at least for the photography side of it, coming up with that idea. So y'all stay tuned and keep watching us on social because we're going to have some fun and celebrate denim. Yeah, it has been really fun. And I think y'all will recognize some kind of our throwbacks from, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s when denim started and kind of playing on that in some of our campaigns, especially the social stuff. So I'm excited to see how those brainchilds turn out. I think it's, it's going to be fun, like you said. So do you have a message you'd like to share with your clients, our team, anyone else on this special occasion? I would just like to say a huge thank you to everyone. It really does take a team. It takes a you know a village. I've had phenomenal staff over the years, um, you know, staff who've brought their creativity to the equation, who've who've been thought leaders. I'm very appreciative of all of them. You know, obviously my current team. Um, I truly believe I had the best team ever. So thank you to all of you guys who for being part of Denim and part of the 25th anniversary. Clients, again, we have the best clients. We've got a phenomenal phenomenal client roster. You know, we think of ourselves as more of an extension of their teams versus, you know, a client vendor relationship. We think of us as our marketing partners. So thank you to them. And then all of our friends in the industry, you know, you don't get here alone. This is not an island. We've had a lot of support along the way. So, you know, thank you to everyone and that whole, you know, NHB family out there. Courtney and I both have been involved in NHB. I have been serving on NHB in one form or another since 2005. Um, so have lots and lots of friends all around the country through that. So thank you to all of them as well for supporting us and cheering us on. And how can listeners get more information about you and the dinner marketing team? 
Well, that's the easy part. We are super easy to find. In fact, I um, remember when we rebranded as Denim, we all sat around the table and were like, okay, well, we can get, you know, DenimMarketing.net. That's not usually, that's, that's not really what we want. We can get Denim, you know, dot marketing. And then we looked at the socials and we could get every single social media site completely clean. And we're like, how on earth did that happen? And, and then we lucked into DenimMarketing.com, probably the best two grand I ever spent. So that being said, you can find us at DenimMarketing.com and as Denim marketing on all social media sites. So we're super, super easy to find. You can email me, carol at denimmarketing.com. You can email Courtney at denimmarketing.com, or you can always call us 770-383-3360. Well, and I guess I get to wrap the show up, huh? We'll switch places again. So with that, okay. it's a wrap of this week's Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. I want to thank Courtney Stewart, VP of Client Services with Denim Marketing, for joining me in studio today and interviewing me. Um, and on behalf of our show sponsor, Denim Marketing, I'm your host, Carol Morgan. If you enjoyed today's show, then please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating and review. If you'd like to hear more of our shows, then go to Spotify, Stitcher, or iTunes and download our shows. If you'd like to be on the show, email me, carol at denimmarketing.com, and let me know what you'd like to talk to me about. And you can find us as Atlanta Real Estate Forum on all social media, so please feel free to follow us there. Um, with that, it's a wrap of this week's show. Uh, we'll see you right here again next week for Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio. Today's episode was made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite real estate blog, and source for real estate news, trends, new home communities, model homes, builders, and more. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, Contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your podcast or iTunes app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show.